Billings won it back. And now Jamal Lowe, left side of the penalty area for the Cherries hit. Lowe goes for the corner, and Jamal Lowe scores for the third successive time here at Reading. This time in Bournemouth colours, and Bournemouth go flying clear early in the second half here. Short of the hour, then marked at the top of the championship. Looks like it's going to continue. Jamal Lowe, minutes after coming off the bench, it's Reading nil, Bournemouth 2. Morning, welcome to episode 138 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. These pods are probably sounding a little bit boring at the moment, they're all the same. It's because we keep on winning. We're doing so well at the moment and it was another three points on the road at Reading this weekend in a 2-0 victory with goals from Dom Solanke and Jamal Lowe. We took a full allocation, sang our hearts out and the boys delivered. We've now won nine in our last ten unbelievable scenes on youtube if you want to subscribe to that go to youtube.com forward slash afcb podcast because there's loads of reaction including the post-match fan cams there's our match day vlog and also if you want to see the show you're listening to now then you can do that as well but for now this is neil dawson myself sam davis tom jordan and mr tiggs waxing lyrical about the boys that are now nine points clear over third place Neil Dawson, how are you? I'm very good. I think that was our best performance against the Biscuit Men since the days of Matt Rich tea. <laughs> We've also got Tom Jordan here. Tom, you're right. Yeah, good. Yeah, even though we played the Royals, they still couldn't take us off our throne. Oh, I see. You've gone Royal and Tiggs. How are you? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. I mean, some people said that we were jammy dodgers, but when it came to the crunch, I think we were ready to party ring. <laughs> oh, that's very good. Very good. I'm loving your work here. So we got the dream team here, apart from Jeff. He is playing five-a-side football tonight. Come on, Jeff, score some goals for us. And we're going to try to keep this as compact as possible tonight. It'll be about an hour, but it's a bumper show including some video from Scott Parker coming up. We've got reaction to Saturday's win, of course. We analyse the price that we may have paid in terms of injuries after making the Biscuitmen crumble. And also we'll get your views on too. So we are live. If you're in the chat, feel free to interact and we'll get your messages on screen. Plus, we've broken a new record in terms of best championship starts. So We've got a chance once again to reconsider where this team are really at. Are we wrong now to be comparing eras? That's what some people are doing. Or is this maybe a discussion that we should be having once we've won something? Who knows? But anyway, Tom, a good day for AFC Bournemouth. And look at that league table. Nine points clear of third. Not bad, eh? It's a hell of a gap at this stage, isn't it? I think... um... You look kind of lower places in them playoffs all the way down to the bottom and it's quite tight. Whereas mm. us to third, to have nine points at this stage is massive. Um, and yeah, I was I was one of the few that are actually quite happy with Fulham beating West Brom. Let's try, let's try and have a little scrap for the title and pull away from third if we can. But um, early days, but yeah, we just keep, keep pulling the gap further every single game. So uh, yeah, long may it continue, mate. And I know that Reading were in 13th and we were flying high in first, Neil, but it was never a fixture that was going to be a given, was it? It was always going to be a tricky one against them. No, I mean, I'd probably say they're one of the better sides we've played this year. Um, uh, and had they took chances early doors, it could have been quite quite hair-raising, really. Um, so, no, and there's always a little bit of extra edge um, that a big away following gives. And I think the, you know, the... the their fans probably are up for it and that transmits to the pitch. So no, it was by no means uh, an easy fixture and it wasn't really when we played it to, uh, apart from towards the end. No, that's right. And, but Tex, I mean, what a statement that is. We just saw that league table there, five green W's in a row. We're making statements to the division every single time we play. Yeah, and, and we're making it look all right. You know, Reading gave us a good game, but when we when we get in control of games, we make it look so effortless as well. Mm. Um, we might talk about it a little bit later, but there are some superlatives that are being thrown at Bournemouth now in that the expectation is is almost there from other teams that we're going to come and win a game, which is a mm. really odd odd place to be. Yeah, mm. very un-Bournemouth-like. Yeah. Very 
on Bournemouth Live. So, Tom, of course, everyone knows what you think about the team. If they watch the match day vlog, of course you did. You have, haven't you? Yeah, you have. So, Neil, no changes. Most people thought, actually, that Kilkenny would make way for Pearson, but obviously it wasn't to be. And judging by the way that Kilkenny barely had any time on the ball in that first part of the game, you could perhaps say the fans were maybe right, actually, to think that Pearson should get a go. But how did you feel when you saw that team there, mate? Yeah, I thought I thought maybe we'd get Pearson, and uh, I, I suppose we did really at half time, didn't we? So, uh, uh, so it was right. Um, uh, yeah, I, I thought. I mean, we talked about it in the pub beforehand. I think he tends to go with the same team unless he's got a reason not to. Um, they're on a bit of a roll, uh, so I wasn't at all surprised when I saw the team. Uh, I also wasn't surprised when he when he took uh, Gavin Kilkenny off because he, he didn't have the greatest games and he was on a booking. And I think. Yeah. He thought if it was this is going to become a fight in the second half, I want all of my midfielders to be able to have a foul in them. Um, and Kilkenny didn't have a foul in him because he'd had to rescue himself out of a situation with a foul in the first half. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, the match began. And, of course, it started off uh, with the remembrance for a minute or so. And then we got into it. And look, Scott Parker's class of 2021, that's what we're calling it even at this stage. They maintained their unbeaten start with a 2-0 win over Reading. It was Dom Solanke, as we'll go on to talk about, and Jamal Lowe, who were on target as we extended 15 games without defeat. That incredible run. But Tom, I tell you what, early doors, we were under the cosh. Yeah, we were. And it's probably been been quite common theme really that teams are starting well against us I think they've probably got a there's probably a plan in place to kind of you know get out of early doors and not sit back too, too early on and yeah they caused a few problems but I wasn't I wasn't overly concerned in the sense that like I say I feel like that's happened a few times this season and and it almost gets to a point now where it's so it can't be a coincidence that we're kind of going all right let's let them do it let's let them press let's let them wear themselves out so to speak um, we definitely got away with it a little bit more on this occasion, because I felt if it was for better finishing, we would have fallen behind. And that's the, that's the difference with, with this league to the Premier League. I think, you know, we'd have been a couple down um, if they had a potent striker, really. So we probably got away with it a little bit, but um, yeah, I think we were feeling our way into the game, but it was a tough start. Definitely was a tough start. But when Jack Stacey starts, it takes, we never concede goals, do we? Never. (laughs) Apparently not. No, you know, incredible uh, stat and it continues on and on and on. Uh, and he did have a good game as well. Uh, yeah, it, it was really interesting, actually. I thought Reading came with a different game plan, like Tom was saying there, to, to actually press us. And it, that really impressed me because not many teams have decided to come at us that way. So to see him do that was uh, was interesting. It caused us, as, as we said, you know, a few hair-raising moments early on. But nevertheless, um, we, we, we sort of rode it out, didn't we? Yeah. You know, Neil, I mean, they did start really brightly, didn't they? Because I think um, Ajaria's ball was fired across to Pushkas in the box and Kelly had a vital touch. I think it was going to be offside anyway. But, yeah. So his blushes were spared somewhat, but they were on top for that sort of first 15 minutes. We just couldn't get a foothold. No, I think we're going to see a lot more of this uh, as well. Um, I think, uh, like Tom alluded to, we're going to get studied a lot by uh, opposition teams. And I think quite clearly there's a way to play against Bournemouth, um, like any team that tries to play like us, and that's to really get into us and really get into our faces. And Reading did exactly that. They they uh, they terrorised us um, for literally 15 to 20 minutes. I think the issue teams will have doing that, which was the issue that Reading had, is that's really, really tough to do that for longer than 20 to 25 minutes. And eventually that's we, we broke through that bit and passed round them. I guess you get teams, I think Liverpool do it in the Premier League, don't they? They'll, they'll go at teams like that for 70 or 80 minutes. Um, you know, that's, that was a gag and press and Jurgen Klopp pretty much invented it. And um, they'll, they'll certainly do it. And Reading, but will many sides in the Championship be able to do it for longer than 20 to 25 minutes? I'm not sure they will. I don't think many teams will be doing that week in, week out. I think that's that's the interesting thing. that It felt to me like Reading kind of changed it up from what I'd heard previously about how they'd been playing. To, to yeah. try and match us in that way and maybe hold out for a little bit longer, which is we talked about that before, haven't we, Tom? Like trying to get teams, it feels like teams want to hold out for a little bit longer. Yeah. I wonder if they maybe looked in for if we could just go out and surprise them, get a goal, mm. and then we've got something to hang on to and, yeah. and things like that. But like Neil said, I remember at the start of the game thinking, there's no way they can keep this up. We've just got to kind of weather the storm. 
There's no way they can keep us up. I thought it was quite evident that they were getting on Gav Kilkenny on his first touch straight away. They'd obviously looked at that and thought they want to play through him. And they were on him on his first touch straight away. And, you know, that made it a difficult kind of just first half for him, really. But they, they did start really well. I think um, the main chance was the one that was actually Kale, wasn't it? With the yeah, with, with a little kind of error, really, for Kale, the only one he had. But that was from them pressing again. And that was the first time I thought, actually, we probably did get away with it on this occasion. Like I say, if it was for better finisher, we probably should have been behind. Their fullbacks as well. That was the other thing they did. So, that, that, I mean, I thought their fullbacks were brilliant in those first 20 minutes. And they played so high up the pitch and were given so much freedom that Anthony and Christie were having to defend so deep and they were coming from so deep when they were doing it. And, that, and I think that just made it so hard for them. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think the, the combination they had up front of that uh, Swift, is it? Yeah, um, just in behind. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, I think it was him, wasn't it, that, that got past Cahill? Or was it like a Rabona? Is that how he got the ball? Didn't it, it was a Rabona. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. a Rabona. Yeah. Because I, I, I just assumed that was going to run out of play. Maybe Cahill yeah. thought that as well, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Quite, quite the opportunity there. Rabona was... cross, and then that guy really should have scored that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We certainly got back into it though as the game wore on. On about twenty minutes, we start to just you know get a foothold in the game, didn't we? What What do you think actually did that, Tom? Is it just the Scott Parker thing of, but you know, trying to soak up possession and just trying to work them out, and then you know find some kind of way to play against them? Yeah, I think it's a, a bit of both. It was a bit of us feeding ourselves into the game. Um, we certainly started improving. But I also think, like we've alluded to, that they really come out of the traps and were probably feeling a little bit sorry for themselves. They didn't take advantage. And then maybe um, kind of, yeah, sat back a little bit more and thought, right, let's just calm down a little bit then. We can't keep up this intensity, so to speak. And But yeah, also also we seem to get a foothold in the game and look at different ways, see how they were coping with Kilkenny, probably try to go out in wide areas more. I thought we were getting Christie on the ball a little bit more, which was helping. Yeah. And Lerma and Billing were having a bit more of an impact. But yeah, you could see, like you say, kind of, it was almost two halves in one half, where mm. in that second period, like you say, after kind of the 20th minute, then I felt like, right, now we're back in control and we weather the, so weather the storm, like we all said. What really impressed me, though, was, um, uh, you know, Solanke, I felt, was, you know, the catalyst to a lot of what was good. And there were these runs that he's doing now. I'm seeing it every single game where he's just peeling off the defender and Lloyd Kelly with the ball at the back, sending these long, long balls forward. And you can see him making that run almost Callum Wilson-esque, what he used to do quite a lot. But we were starting to stretch them. Phil Bill, um, Lloyd Kelly himself as well were spreading the ball from the left to the right-hand side of the pitch. There was this, you know, there were numerous lovely moments in that match. There was one of them, actually, where um, I think Reading cleared the ball with a goal kick. Lerma headed it down. There was a lovely little one-two between Billing and Christie on the right flank. Really tight space. And then he cuts back under his left foot and spreads this world even past to Zamora. And he then, uh, he bombs down the line, exchanges a one-two with Anthony, actually, and it looks like the Reading defenders cleared it, but that was actually the corner that I'm not even sure the ball went out, you know. I'm not oh. even sure it did, but that was the actual corner that then, you know, led, you know, to the goal. But there were a few bits even before that, Neil. Christie, he cut in on his left. He had a shot that went over the bar. And from that point forward, I, I, I must admit, I didn't really have the worry anymore. Whereas, you know, up until 20 minutes, I definitely did. Yeah, no, there was a real definite sea change where we took control back. Um, we were just saying that when when you went for your fake poo uh, earlier on, we were we, we were saying that, weren't we, the guys? The um, yeah. no, the uh, there's a yeah, so it was almost like a complete and utter sea change, and uh, and then we and I think it was because they just couldn't keep up the 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 pressing that they'd done for the first twenty five minutes. They ran out of breath, and then our our quality took over. Um, but yeah, and Christy Anthony. I mean, that's what we're missing. We're missing those two scoring. Um, so it's frightening, really, as we said last week. That, I mean, the, the two of them, have, well, they've got two goals between them in probably about 25 appearances. Um, so, you know, they're, they're long overdue. But look where we are without our two of our forwards ever contributing any goals. <clears throat> yeah, I did say to... Steve Hensman, Christie's going to score today because he was getting in that position whereby I love the fact that Stacey always can offer an option. And sometimes, quite often, it's actually a decoy and then he does actually cut in on his favoured left. But sometimes he feeds uh, Jack Stacey as well. So there there are lots of options. And yeah, we got one corner, I think, that we took and it, it looked as though like many of the main threats were actually not in the box. They kind of peeled away, but it, it came short and then the ball 
came over. I think it was Gary Cahill that glanced over, but that was a statement of intent. And then the corner came over, Tiggs. And you know what? Incredibly well worked. And there's a lot to this corner. There really is. Yeah, there is a lot. I'll probably miss some of it in the first run through here, but uh, it's quite interesting, really. Um, I think since Jaden Anthony's been taking corners, we've, we've looked great at them. I mean, that's not the only reason, for sure, but he is a very solid corner taker. And the ball went to uh, the back post. There was nobody, actually, at the back. You saw Cahill just kind of moves yeah. back, you know, lost his marker, got to the back post. He put it back across, back to the near post. And everyone, when I looked back at this, there were three people, seemingly, Marking Billing. And there was one guy on the back post that they just didn't see Dom just find his way in and just knock it. That's exactly what I want to come on to because whilst we're all looking at the corner taker, we're looking at Gary Cahill and we're also looking at Dom Solanke, Philip Billing and Jefferson Lerma play a pivotal role Mm. with this goal. There are three Reading players there and both Billing and Lerma manage to block their runs and they're really clever with the way they do this right. And there you can see that's where Gary Cahill goes to the back post. Those three men are still there in the middle. If you take a look at this shot here, this shows you the run he makes. And look, those two players are somehow managing to block those three players right on the penalty or near the penalty spot between the the six-yard line and the penalty spot. And then Lloyd Kelly is also doing his bit by blocking the left back. So Gary Cahill had so much room. And you saw also... Dom Solanke making that run to the near post. So it was all planned and there he was at the near post and he put it away. But what about the halftime um, change? Pearson for Kilkenny. I mean, that, that wasn't exactly, mm. that, that that wasn't rocket science, was it? Because he, he did pick up an injury. Uh, well, well, no, he did have a knock, but also he got yellow carded as well. He, yeah. he just seemed to be slightly limping from a challenge. I don't think that was the reason why he came off. I think it was more for the fact that he did get that cynical yellow. Yeah, I think a bit of that and a bit of what Tom said earlier in that, you know, it looked like quite early on that they thought that they could maybe try and exploit him um, a, a bit, Kilkenny. Uh, oh, I think I think a lot of players, a lot of teams are going to think that of our younger players, but actually, you know, mm-hmm. he, he did himself quite proud, really. Um, the other thing is, of course, is that we have the quality on the bench sitting there. It'd be crazy mm-hmm. not to use it. We've got so many fixtures coming up, thick, thick and fast before the international break. We've got other two, haven't we? So if we don't rotate them round... Um, we're missing yeah. a trick there. Um, but yeah, I thought Pearson did a good job when he came on. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, yeah I, I think that was what would be interesting. I think that goal from Solanke, probably, he's probably in his head, but I think as soon as Solanke scored, I reckon he went, I'm getting Pearson on at half time now because we've got the lead. So Pearson's the perfect player to bring on anyway, plus with Kilkenny on the yellow. Yeah. I wonder if maybe it was nil nil. He might have given Gav 10 minutes. But yeah. I think because we had the lead, I mean, what a player to bring on. And. <laughs> Yeah, Pearsall, I thought, was absolutely exceptional in the second half. But he never lets us down anyway. And, no. and like I say, he's, he's one of the best in his position in the league, in my opinion. So to have him on the bench is amazing. We've said it before on this show, haven't we? They're both unfortunate not to play when they don't play. Um, and it's because I think, you know, Lerma, Lerma rightly is probably first midfield name on the on the team sheet. And then Philip Billings made the position his own because he offers goals, which none of the others do. So if you think about the problem we've got, the two midfielders don't score. The two wingers don't don't score. So therefore, Billings is always going to be in the side because he'll get goals. So therefore, it is a straight fight between. It will become a straight fight between Pearson, Lewis, Cook, and Kilkenny. Other thought for that slot, which is a wonderful, uh, you know, riches for us to have as a club, but awful for them because one of them isn't going to play very much at all. No, no, but they're all well. Two out of three of those have had injury problems in the past quite recently yeah. that have kept them out for long periods of time so yeah. um, I'm hoping that kind of not, not that I want anyone to get injured but that was <laughs> a little bit of rotation a little bit of thought into it um, I think well I think we'll see Pearson on Wednesday night because a it's his old club and b yeah. it's going to be a battle uh, because we know that with Preston that it'll be a fight so you probably want to for those two reasons I'll be really surprised if he doesn't start yeah I agree now, we had some other knocks in the game. We had another yellow card as well. Anthony got a yellow card. Um, and we saw another sub on that side. Uh, Lowe came on. Yeah. Were, you, were you surprised to see Lowe come on, Tom? Um, no, not particularly. I mean, we haven't really seen him off that left, have we? He's played He's played more on that right side. So, I guess more naturally seems to be Rogers from the left side. But, yeah. you know, Lowe does exactly what, what Neil's been, been saying. Is Lowe gives you goals, doesn't he, from a wide mm-hmm. area. He started one game and he scored in it. And I do like the look of him. And I think, once again, the yellow probably didn't help Jaden. But 
Jaden was struggling more than he has done of late, I felt. I don't know if that was also because Zamora picked up that that knock early on. Yeah. I felt like we, we weren't getting it going down that left side like we normally do. Um, it was more coming from the right. So maybe just wanted to freshen it up a little bit, you know, give give Jaden 10 in the second half and then get low on. But as we saw quite quickly, it was a decent sub. I bet that's great as a manager when you do that. It must be brilliant. But I was, I was well happy to say, I, I really liked Jamal Lowe. And I think he's another one that probably, you know, he has never done anything wrong. But he's... Yeah. You can't get him in the team at the moment, but he's—I tell you what—he's getting close, and he's right on 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 probably on Anthony's backside at the moment for a place. Yeah, yeah. And their defender was pretty rooted, wasn't he? Neil, when, when that shot was taken by Low. Yeah, it was an odd goal, wasn't it? When you watch yeah. it back, I mean, it was an odd goal in the stadium. It was one of those where the crowd reacted a little bit after the ball at the net because it wasn't—it uh, it was a, a slight element of surprise, and it was um, yeah because he kind of like stroked it in. Um, he sort of passed it into the back of the net, which from that position was an odd position to pass it in. But he did that classic thing of he used the defender as a, to blind the, yeah. blind the goalkeeper and then and then put it in. But even then, the goalkeeper was not in the position really to be blinded because he was he was stood slightly to the right. So the whole yeah. the whole goal was just very bizarre. But um, you know, fair play to him for spotting the spot and just slotting it in. And you know, he was a fifteen goal championship striker. I think he's going to feature more and more. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, as a, uh, maybe as a result of other people's injuries or moving Christie inside, or maybe he might think Anthony needs to drop out the side for a little bit. Mm. But who knows? But I think he's got he's got to feature more because we lack we lack goals for a team that's top of the league. Phil Bill's press for that goal was unbelievable. Oh, yeah. I thought, yeah, I forgot wasn't that. Wasn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, it was the Reading midfielder that had it. And... He was about three yards off him, but he closed him down so quickly and he just nicked it off him. And he, he, he was in that sort of position whereby, I, you're right, it looked at first like it went through the defender's legs, but it didn't. It just went slightly behind him. But like I say, the goalkeeper had no chance. And, you know, there seemed to be, like you said, Neil, a bit of a delayed reaction, but so pleased for him. And surely he's given Anthony a run for his money now, Tom, isn't he? Yeah, he's got to be. He's got to be. I mean, like I say, I think earlier in the season, we were probably thinking more on the right side. But Christie's now come in and he's he's got that spot. But uh, he, yeah, Christie's an option to come inside and play maybe that billing role. We've seen him do that or even with billing. So we've got so many options there. But he'll be saying, I can't do mo- no more. I've started one game, I scored. And then I've played one other game for a considerable amount of time and, and I scored. And then he's just come on for little cameos, hasn't he? But um, I do like the look of him. And like Neil said, he's, he's proven at this level as well. Um, a little bit more through the middle. But yeah, I like the little little bits we've seen of him, definitely. And yeah, also good point on the Billing one because I think sometimes because of the way Billing moves, he looks like he doesn't doesn't press and stuff, but he does. So I'll tell you what, he covered a lot of ground that game again and uh, making good and it, he stretches so well, he's got big gangly legs and he just got mm. in the way and it was it was really good because in that role you want him to be doing that in and around Dom because then you're off. And um yeah, that was that was well, he was massive for that goal, wasn't he? Thoughts on flares when goals go in, lads, Neil? Um I think all 70s clothing's had its day now. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, you, if, you want to break, if you want to bring them out and wear them, Sam, it's up to you. Uh, no, um, <laughs> I quite like it. I quite like, yeah, I quite so like it. Yeah, I like the continental atmosphere of it all. And it always amazes me as well because it shows how crap the searches are because you can get a... You can get a you know, like a twelve inch thick metal tube inside the ground despite being patted down. But the um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I quite like them. I think you've probably got to say that they're not great for asthmatic people or people who get nervous at football games. So probably we shouldn't condone it. But I love the atmosphere they bring. That one was yeah. the worst smelling one. It was yeah. awful. The one behind us was absolutely stank. Yeah. yeah. It. It really was. I think there were a couple that went off during the game. Yeah. There's one behind us that was black, and then there was one to the side of us as well. But yeah, what <laughs> celebrations they were! Absolutely superb. Um, and there's a. I think it was Chris Temple on the radio or on Twitter afterwards saying that we were the loudest that he's heard us in 20 years or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, did you think that? Because I didn't think it at the time. But I mean, obviously, he's in that kind of position where he can hear us you best, I suppose. But you know, for me, it didn't. It didn't sound like that. But I didn't you know, seem any different to Bristol City, did it, no. or anything like that? It's it may be a reflection of the stand and where the roof and where he's sitting, and the fact that the Reading fans, apart from for the first fifteen minutes, were as usual deathly quiet. 
Um, so yeah, so you got to take in other factors that we can't hear when we're we stood there. Because I remember being in some Premier League grounds and thinking we were really loud, and then talking to fans uh, like a Liverpool. I remember talking to a Liverpool fan, and he said couldn't hear you, could not hear you at all. But of course, you've got to take the relativity of where they're sat and what they're listening to. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I agree with you, Sam. It was loud, but it didn't seem that loud. But obviously it was. Didn't Robert says that different. flares are bad. Yeah, go on. Yeah. I was going to say, it didn't feel any different, but I spoke to a few people that watched it on the telly and mm. said it was the first time they could hear the songs word for word. Yeah. But it was just really clear. You could hear what we were singing and things like that. So that yeah. was interesting. But yeah, I thought we were good, but... Like Neil said, I, I thought we were just as good in, in other away games, to be honest. Yeah, and there were flares inside the concourse as well. That was before we got there, I think. So, yeah, I mean, that, and it wasn't exactly a huge uh, concourse either. But after the after the Dom Solanke goal as well, it was all going off down there as well. And I, I don't know, it, 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 it sort of makes me feel like I support you know, Galatasaray for a bit or something, you know, welcome to hell or something like that. I don't know. Obviously that wouldn't happen at a home game, but certainly at away games, I kind of like it, even though it's not allowed and not permitted. It kind of yeah. gives us that sort of like ultras feel, I suppose. But, yeah. The Bournemouth, yeah. the Bournemouth ultras, look at us. We've all come, 20 of us on our bus from Pokestown. Look what we've done. Yeah, we, yeah, we've um, we've all seen them at some point, but yeah, super. And look, can I just give a massive hat tip here to Gary Cahill for that piece of filth defending where the Reading oh. uh, defender just hoofed it, and then he was running back towards goal, touched it, and it was like super glue to his foot, and then he then shepherded it out and played it to Stacey, but that was just absolutely golden, wasn't it? So good. I don't think it's amazing. I don't think I appreciated. I always knew Gary Kerr was a top defender. I don't think yeah. I appreciated how good he was with the ball. I think yeah. I always felt like he was just a bruiser, you know, just solid, good in the air, which he is. But I'd never appreciate him. I suppose you don't get to the level he has if you're not, you know. But, yeah, I, I don't think I appreciate just how calm and composed he is on the ball as well. So, yeah, that was a great, that was a great moment. There. He was brilliant again. You know what? 2-0, I think at that point, it, it sort of felt like the Cherries had the game in the bag and yeah we've you know we've talked about the fact that whether joe uh, uh whether low can be um pushing jade and i think possibly that could be something that scott parker might consider i don't i mean like why did jaden come off was he carrying an injury well we talked about the fact he's on a yellow that's two yeah. that's two yellows in the last two games um also, his, his, his partner back there is, was injured as well, wasn't he? Left yeah. back. Um, how, he played the whole, how he played as long as he did, God only knows. Yeah. Mm. Um, I still feel those two come as a two. I, I don't know why. Uh, I just, you know, I just yeah, they, think that they're yeah. kind of a pairing and they kind of help each other out. And I think what, mm. when you lose one, you, you kind of lose both a little bit. Um, yeah. But at the same time, it's interesting about Lowe. Will, would Lowe... Would Lowe do as much pressing as Anthony? I'm, I'm sure he would, but you know, we haven't seen him do that sort of thing, have we? Don't oh, I think, think so. He, I was going to say, I think that the reason, don't get me wrong, he offers a lot, but I think the thing that he really likes about Jaden is his off the ball pressing and things like that. Yeah. Is you know, yeah. sometimes people go, oh, you know, did he have a good game? Go, yeah, but you watch the graft he puts in. We know mm -hmm. Christie does it. Jaden does it on the other side, and I think it was noticeable when we played. I think it was Peterborough. We gave him a rest and played Morgan Rogers and. Mm. I felt for Rogers really, but he just didn't have that part of his game, the pressing, and it affected the whole team on the night. Yeah, um, but yeah I agree with what you say, Tiggs, as well. I think it was pretty evident. It was one of Jaden's poorer games when Zamora was at a knock, and yeah. it, it almost had that knock on effect, didn't it? So, um, yeah, but the timely sub, wasn't it? Thank oh, you know, and, but, but when Lowe did come on, he even had a chance before uh, that goal he scored. And we always talk about that three that three of uh, John Zamora, Phil Billing and Jaden Anthony, but they combined really well. When I think Jay-Z had the ball, like in the left back position, he, he put the ball up the pitch and it looked like it was just out of reach of Phil Bill, but he managed to get a touch on it. And then it felt like Jamal Lowe had acres of space to run into. Um, he could have gone forward with it, but then he didn't. He squared it to Dom Solanke and the ball fell perfectly. He was like on the edge of the box and yeah. it was on his right foot and everything. And, I, I don't think the shot was the best. It was blocked, but you know that I thought was a golden chance. But I, that felt like they'd been playing for ages. That little combo there. So I think Lowe could actually fit in you know, to that position pretty well. And you know, like you said earlier in the show, when I was frozen, it's quite good that he can play on the right and the left. We're getting you know we're getting players now that can play in different positions, and that you know that provides us even 
you know, with more options. So absolutely superb to see Ben Pearson, who came on, did so well. And then, and then takes Chris Mapps. He comes on as well. Yeah, a bit of an odd substitution, really. Um, but I suppose you're looking at your bench and you're thinking, who have I got that I can bring on at left back? Um, and and we, we spoke about it, didn't we? We didn't, didn't, obviously didn't want to change the Kelly um, in centre-back position. We didn't, didn't want to change that because that would have been the natural thing. That's what I would have done if I was playing football manager. But uh, Mepham just comes in and he did what he did when he played right back for us, didn't he? He just mm. kind of stood up. He was another body. Yeah. Um, he just, he just worked hard at it. And yeah. all right, it's not his natural position, but he can defend anywhere on the pitch, I guess, is kind of mm. what I've learned about him. You can put him anywhere and he'll defend for you. He won't yeah. like, run forward with the ball, but he'll defend for you. Yeah, he wasn't going to overlap, was he? And, and that meant Jamalo came back a bit um, to to because he had to get closer to him. Uh, and that locked that side up completely, which was probably what... Uh, Scott Parker was uh, was looking at doing, wasn't he? So um, it, no, he never ever ever lets you down at the moment when he comes on. So uh, and we may well see him Wednesday. I guess we'll talk about Wednesday's team lineup, but it'd be amazing if all of the ones that were limping at the end make it. Mm. Well, that pretty much echoes what you said last week about players that haven't been playing for a while. They come back in, and he for that twenty minutes he played, he was superb. So no one's sulking at the moment, and you can see. You know, there is so much um, you know, togetherness within the squad. When we're scoring goals, you can see that everyone's happy. And like after that Dom Solanke goal, you could see like within the celebrations from Lerma and Phil Bill, from Lloyd Kelly, yeah. they were part of that goal as much as Dom Solanke and Gary Cahill were because they did their job. And you could see the joy on their faces as soon as they scored. And yeah, we're just working for each other at the moment, Tom. It's so nice to see. It's so nice. Yeah, I think it's... It's easy to say it, and it last season we were all kind of saying, "Oh, is it?" They don't look like they're as happy and stuff like that. But you do notice it when I remember when uh, Kelly scored not long ago his first goal, and and you see everyone run over to him, and like you say, it was it was similar again. And yeah, there's definitely a togetherness, and and the players that aren't playing a lot still still look like they're loving it, which is yeah. which is great. And Mepham's a a really good example of that. You know, proper professional when he comes on the pitch and. Yeah, they all seem to be loving it. And you, you see Marcondes come off with a smile on his face. Can't remember the last time he kicked the ball. So, yeah, it's it's a nice group at the moment and very reminiscent of that other team we had that done pretty well in the Championship, I would say. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, we'll talk later about comparing eras. Uh, Phil Bill had a shot, Tiggs, on 70, yeah. 70 or so minutes that kind of didn't, from where I was, it didn't look as if it was, it was that much troubling but the keeper sort of seemed to make a meal of it but I don't know whether they had to stretch that much it was going in yeah it was like 20, 25 yards out wasn't it ish mm. um, but the interesting thing about that is and, and Tom's already said it I think twice or maybe Neil might have said it as well is that he's, it's these long gangly legs of, of Philip Billing that when I looked at that and I was watching it I was thinking oh he's lost the ball but he does he gets it like he's got this like super long big toe or something that just yeah. taps the ball and suddenly he's back in charge of it again uh, and he's done it several times. He did it three, three or four times in this game. He does it all the time. I think defenders think they've got the better of him. And then this big leg comes from nowhere. And all of a sudden, he's charging forward, found the space and took the shot. And yeah, you're right. The, the goalkeeper did um, did make a little bit of a meal of it. But then you've got to get your Hollywood shots in, haven't you? You know, he's got to, he's got to look good for something, that goalkeeper. Mm, yeah. And then, you know, not much else happened, Tom. But Trav's made a wonder save. Oh, yeah. Chuck yeah. for him. Absolutely tough for him because it was a, a point blank header, wasn't it? That um, uh, but the, I always think that's a sign of a really good goalkeeper. Um, people are waxing lyrical about Ramsdale lately, aren't they? And I think that, you know, rightly so. But Ramsdale's been in a couple of teams that you know are really scrapped at the bottom, and you're having shots against you all the time. You get tested when you're a goalkeeper at a team at the top that aren't having many chances against you, and you've got to stay switched on. And that was a yeah. good example yeah. of that. But it was it was the it was the all-round stuff at the end of the game. Like you said, it was pretty comfortable. But that was because they were grafting so hard at 2-0. The game was in the bag, but we weren't letting them have a goal. There was no chance we were letting them have a goal. And um, Bidden was doing it. Christie was doing it. Just off the ball stuff was was immense. And I was chuffed for Travers. You could see, you know, he kind of celebrated that like he like he just scored at the last minute. Because yeah. he, he knows the record. Yeah. We all know the record. And um, I'll tell you what, probably been overlooked a bit, but a lot of us, myself definitely did, said I'm not sure. If we can go with him as number one, yeah, send him probably... out on loan, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, 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 I yeah. Thought, do we get, do we maybe you know get a couple in and send him out on loan, etc., etc. If Newcastle didn't have a situation they did, we might have Woodman. 
But he yeah. stepped up. He has stepped up massively, and um, no worries yes. about him at all. I thought his distribution was good as well. So yeah, chuff for him, really am. That save, the the thing that I was really pleased about was that that save was in the perfect spot for all the away fans because we were all <laughs> we were all right behind it. So for, from his point of view, he deserved that because he could have made the save down the other end. It would have been just as good a save, but we we wouldn't have had an appreciation of it. So it, it, it was brilliant because he got the proper noise where everyone just made a wow sort of noise as opposed to a goal sort of noise. And of course, Scott Dan, who you know looks to keep yeah. his goal a game record up against Bournemouth, denied him as well. So uh, it was it was brilliant. It wasn't as good as Ramsdale's, which is just phenomenal, isn't it? When you've seen, have you seen Aaron Ramsdale's sale? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but it was a really, really, really good save. A lot of keepers wouldn't have got to it. And then fans were obviously absolutely jubilant at full time. And it was so good to see the scenes there. And there was that feeling of, you know, togetherness, Tom, wasn't there? once the players came over. There have been a few matches this season where they haven't really. There was one where sort of Scotty just walked straight off down the tunnel. I think that was the whole nil-nil. But on this one, they all came mm. over to us for an extended period of time. It almost like the, you felt like the Reading of 2014-15, actually, in a way. Um, but yeah, mate, how how phenomenal did it feel to be that many points clear of uh, third place? It was a. I mean, we're finding lots of different ways to win, aren't we? Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point. I think we're we're finding different ways to win. We're we're finding the tools when we need to in certain games to manage different moments. I think Scott Parker said that a lot, and you've got to find different ways. You know, when we're under the cosh, it's going to be very rare that you're going to go through 90 minutes of games without having a, especially away from home, a spell mm-hmm. where the home team, you know, have a bit. And um, we rode it out. And yeah, you've got to get a little bit of luck with that. One of their lads could have finished it, but you've got to get, you know, you've got to ride your luck a little bit and you, you do earn your luck. And I thought we defended as a group really well and then took our chances when we needed to. And like you say, scenes at the end were brilliant. It was very reminiscent of the last time I was at Reading. I think even the season before we beat them. Um, and I remember as a, as a kid having some, Having some tears at Redden away, so it's nice that the last few have been oh. lovely and some mm. really good, really good scenes with the players. Because, like you say, I remember that last one was a real key moment as well. So it's always great because we take so many up there. It's a shame we could take a few, probably could have taken a few thousand more if we were yeah. allowed. But um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've been enjoying Redden for the last few, that's for sure. So is it us and Fulham then, is it Neil? Uh, it should be. So Ryan Christie. Like Ryan Christie probably thinks he's never left Scotland playing in a two-horse league, does he? Yeah, I know. <laughs> the uh, just without the religious bigotry, really, isn't it? Yeah. They, I, don't, I don't think I, I don't think either us or West London come down on one camp when it comes to uh, <laughs> no. when it comes to religion. But the um, yeah, I mean, we are without a shadow of a doubt the best sides in the division, I would say, and it's certainly shaping up that way. Now we've seen everyone play enough games. I don't think West Brom have got the talent. Uh, they've also got Birmingham City and Coventry City coming up in the next three fixtures, I believe, which will be really tough local derbies for them. Uh, and yeah, and I just, yeah, so I think an awful lot can happen in a championship season, though. We could have an injury crisis, so could Fulham. They could lose Mitrovic, we could lose Solanke, you know. So there's too, there's too many if, buts, and maybes. But if the situation stays stable as is, you'd like to think it'd be a two horse race for the title. Hmm. Very interesting indeed. And 15 games unbeaten, two wins in five, followed by nine wins in 10. That's 11 hours and 12 minutes without conceding a goal. So 2-0 over the Royals then. And unsurprisingly, social media, certainly in AFC Bournemouth circles at least, they, they are showing their love for a number of cherries, not not least, of course, Scott Parker, who is a person who seems to be making the right calls. He's He's bringing on substitutions at the right time and he's he's asserting a steeliness with our defence that we've not seen for a number of seasons. But also up front, it's all going swimmingly for Dom Solanke. For a long time, he never really fought and found his rhythm with AFC Bournemouth, especially with Callum Wilson and Josh King always ahead of him in the packing order. So it was always going to be difficult for him. So the maiden season he had leading the line for the Cherries was was all right. But now he is absolutely flourishing. Now, I'm sure you've seen it. If you haven't, what are you doing? If you haven't heard of the League of 72 YouTube channel, they create weekly EFL content and they cover the whole of the 72 from Bournemouth through to Barrow. And it's still fairly new and they're building a really good community already. They're getting some big names on as well, not least the main man at the club, Scott Parker. And he was on the channel just last week talking about our number nine and he could express nothing but praise for him. 
Yeah, I think he's proven that. I think he's proven that now because he's backing up seasons, really. He had a goal. Mm. He scored goals last year and had a big season. Um, the, the difference between the top strikers, really, is that consistency. You go and back it up with another season, and really you're on the end, you, you, you're, you're at the levels where you know that you know you can score goals really and, and score them, score them in the in the championship and then moving up from there really. So um, I, I, I've not got enough praise words to praise Dom really. He's uh, he's probably a bit of more of an old school centre forward in the sense mm. that he builds his game first and foremost on a work effort, um, relentless in his work and what he does. Um, yeah, you, you, you couldn't. We couldn't set up the team the way we set up if 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 it went through a, a Dominic Solanke in that sense as a nine. He's the he's the one what sets everything off for us in terms of the press. Um, and then on the flip side of that, he's got a good knack of being able to to score goals as well. So um, for me, he's the all round nine that 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 that's brilliant that we've got. Mm. That was uh, Scotty P there talking about, of course, Dom Solanke. If you want to check out the full 15-minute video of that, Scott speaks very impressively, as I'm sure you can imagine he would. Uh, so click the link in the description below to watch the, the full interview. As it is excellent. Um, as well as talking about Dom, he, he reflects on the David Brooks news last month, as well as uh, telling the League of 72 where his focus lies for the rest of the season as well. If you're not watching this live, by the way, you can also click the card at the top of the screen as well. And Neil, Scott Parker, um, he does speak impressively, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, he's, uh, he's, got, yeah he's got a really nice manner about him. Uh, I think what I like about him, similar to Eddie, he doesn't get uh, too overexcited with wins or too depressed with defeat. So he has that constant, you know, um, keep everything on the right track, which is just a really good leadership quality to have. These managers that throw their toys out the pram or... Mm get so excited and run down the pitch pumping their fists and stuff like that it's all about them isn't it really when they do that whereas I think him and Eddie have got that great I mean even when he waves at us I always feel like it's a reluctant wave like he thinks oh Christ I better wave because you know, he, he wants to concentrate on the game and make the players the hero not himself yeah Eddie, Eddie very very similar no he, he's um I mean I I didn't know what to think when he joined really I think we talked about it on here I was there was lots of pros there were lots of cons uh, you know, I was completely and utterly ambivalent. I didn't have a strong opinion like I have had with the previous managerial appointments. But he's done nothing but impress me since the minute he set foot in the in the building. Mm. And Tom, you were on the, also on the League of Seventy Two channel recently, weren't you? you? And you were discussing with um, James Lawrence Alcott whether the Cherries can go all the way this season. And again, you can check it out. Uh, the, the, there's a link in the description. And if you're watching on replay, card at the top of the screen. But uh, Tom, I'm I'm sort of wondering since your chat that was a few weeks ago, are you even surprised at Cherries' form since then? Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you're always surprised when you've gone 15 games unbeaten. You think, God, we mm. surely will have a it a blip at some point. But then again, the way we were playing, I just at the moment, like I say, just in in all big moments in the game, we're controlling things really well. And, and Scott Parker seems to have that winning formula. We will hit a bump. He keeps saying that, doesn't he? You know, and the the fans got to be, get behind us. And I think that's what he him and the players seem to be really kind of credit the fans for that Reading game as we started quite slowly. And they were on top of us, but it didn't change. You know, we were right behind them, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I, I agree with what Neil said. I was kind of neither here nor there waiting to see with Scott Parker. But going back to what you were saying, uh, talking about Dom Solanke there, that was the one thing I thought when we got him, I thought, or oh, we might see that would be good for Dom because Scott Parker didn't get on too well with Mitrovic because he's that kind of, he'll score goals, but he's not going to give you the other side of the game. Yeah. Dom Solanke, you know, works his socks off. So mm. I thought Scott Parker will love that. And that might, you know, he might really hang his hat on him. And I think, you know, obviously we brought Jamal Lowen and stuff like that. But we let Sorridge go and we kind of said to Dom, look, you're our main man. Don't worry about it. We're not going to replace you. You are our main man. We believe in you and stuff like that. And he's reaping the rewards at the moment. But yeah, I think it's it's weird at the moment. I'm going to, I remember saying to you, Sam, um, you know, at the start of the game when they were on top, I said, we've been here before. We've been yeah. here before. We'll ride it out. We'll be all right. There's that almost that arrogance about even me at the moment. The players have it. The man, like the whole club, is that kind of. We'll be all right. We'll be fine. Yeah. We know how to win games. And um, I tell you what, yeah. I've never seen a Bournemouth team be able to defend like we can as well. Yeah. I mean, it That's helps when you can bring someone in like Gary Cale. But I mean, we and we yeah. still play good football. But defensively, we are absolutely mustard. I don't see us conceding more than a goal a game. And you've always got a chance of winning if you're keeping clean sheets like we are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
We're like a machine. That's the bit that when we said earlier, we're on Bournemouth-like. We're like a machine. Yeah. Uh, and we've never been like that. So Eddie's side was just like a brilliant madness. That's what it was. It was like a madness. We just we went we went at people and you, you used to sit in the stands thinking, surely you've got to pull one of those fullbacks back. But we just, mm. we just you know, we go 2 nil down, we'll win 4-2. Completely different side. Brilliant in its own way. Arguably a little bit more entertaining, but the uh, but not this relentless machine. Which I guess does Scott Parker get that from his Chelsea days or his mm. or his better Tottenham days? You know, they're just those sides that go out and win every week. We've never we've never ever been that side, even under Eddie. Yeah. So Tom's interview with James Lawrence Alcott. Do check it out. League of Seventy Two on YouTube. Go and subscribe to them, and also let us know in the comments or the live chat who you'd ideally like to see on a future show, and we will certainly endeavour to let them know. So then, people are comparing eras on Facebook tigs. That that probably indicates where we're at the season, eh? Yeah, when the good times roll, we, we roll the, the memories back, don't we? And uh, that certainly seems to be the case with a lot of people trying to think back to successful teams and one in particular team. I think Neil is spot on, by the way. Uh, I wrote down the word, the word efficient, which is a, 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 less, uh, a, a less exciting way to put the machine, but he's, he's spot on. I think it is a machine. and it's. I suppose the difference is for me uh, is I'll, I'll, I'll look at the bad points. Okay. So the, the thing that I... I liked that preview about that previous side more is that it was more edge of the seat stuff. But this time I don't need to be on the edge of my seat with this side. I feel like I'm, I'm reclining fully and just enjoying my football from back here. Yeah. Great would, change, which is would, nice. Nice would, different view for me. Was it a case of we didn't really know how, how good we were then until the end, whereas I think we now know how good we are? Because I've, I've got a feeling we weren't in this kind of lofty position after 15 games when we won the championship, did we? Uh, uh, we, were, we, went top in the, we went top in November away at Sheffield Wednesday, didn't we, for yeah. the first time? Yeah. And then we, so we were maybe just getting to that point, yeah. 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 But, it, so, but, we, but it wasn't clear, we weren't clear top. That's no, and, sure. and we didn't feel like a machine. We were getting the results, Neil, but it didn't, it didn't necessarily feel like we were going to win match after match, which was what happened. Yeah, no, and we, I mean, we can remember, we can count the games off. I can't remember whether which season they were in, but I remember like going 2 0 down to Millwall and winning 5 2, going 2 0 yeah, down yeah. to Birmingham City, yeah. winning 4 2. That was the, that's the bit that, that Tiggs was saying. So I guess the difference was with that side, if you went 2 0 down, you thought you were going to win. With this side, if you go 1 0 up, you think you're going to win. And that's yeah, the, yeah, yeah. you know, that's probably the be best way I can describe it. It's just a different, it's a different feeling. Um, I don't know with this side if we went two 0 down whether we would win because we've what we scored three goals twice, haven't we? Against some quite uh, two poor poorish teams at home, but it won't, probably won't be a problem because it would take an awful lot to go two 0 up against us. Yeah, mm. yeah. I absolutely. think we're about ten ten points off where we are now this that season. Yeah, around about now. But so we've got ten points more than we had that season. Right. Yeah. Quite a lot of points in that. Yeah, really. But yeah, I agree with what what the lads saying. I think that. I always used to say that that Bournemouth team, when with with Eddie, if we lose a game, all the media would go, "Oh, they're so naive." But yeah. when we'd win, we'd be uh, like ridiculously brave. But I always felt we just played with a handbrake off, and I think we've kind of just got the handbrake on a little bit with with Scott Parker. But yeah, it was exciting to watch, probably a little bit more exciting. But I wonder if us Bournemouth fans are so used to being a little bit vulnerable defensively, yeah, that it's actually quite exciting to see us defend well. Yeah. Like a lot of teams wouldn't, they just want to see attacking football. But we're used to, I just, I'm actually really enjoying, you know, these last minute blocks, you know, that Kelly block that we were talking yeah. about earlier. Oh, that, that got me off my seat because I think we've, we've been starved of that uh, a little bit. We've always been quite good on the eye, which is, which we're very fortunate, but I'm actually enjoying seeing a really good yeah. organised defensive unit. But I also think Eddie would say, you know, we've, we've managed to get Gary Cale. You should be better defensively if you've got Gary Cale. Yeah. And obviously we played with kind of Sherman and Arta, didn't we? Most of the time with like O'Kane and people like that. We've got a, probably a, a few more defensive minded midfielders in there, which helps. But yeah. Um, yeah, we've got really good ingredients at the moment. But yeah, I'd, I'd say we're definitely harder to beat, but maybe we won't blow teams away quite as much. Hmm. And you can see you can see defenders fist bumping each other and giving high fives and yeah. they are loving doing their job, which is, you know, that's what I said on a previous show. If a striker can celebrate when they score, why can't a defender do that when they make a, a you know a goal saving challenge? Brilliant. There's been a couple of incidents where teams towards the end of the game, because obviously we, 
you know, we, we sit, sit, still settle back a little bit. You've seen like a guy start skipping through the midfield and he gets Pearson and Lerma hunting him down and then a Cahill waiting behind him. And it just, you know, we've never had a, that's, that's, we've never had that in our lives where, where you really enjoy it. I watch it and I just think this guy's going nowhere. I don't know what he's thinking. If, if I was him, I'd just boot the ball backwards. I wouldn't even try, but he's got to try and get past Pearson Lerma and then go up to against Cahill. It's just, it's really entertaining to watch. Like Tom said, in its own way, it's not Charlie Daniels slipping, you know, someone away to cross it for Jan Kermigan. It's not that, but it's just as entertaining in its own way. Also how other teams react to us is different. So, mm. you know, like quite often, I've said it a few times now, a few of these is, you know, when we end up going a goal up, you see the other team. I know, you know, obviously defenders are disappointed to let a goal in, but it just really feels to like quite often there's a sense of like, oh, man, you know, that was our our week's plan just yeah. gone out the window. Yeah. Whereas that didn't used to be the case with that team because people thought yeah. we'll, we'll get we'll get a chance, we'll get a chance. We we'll probably give them a chance, probably give them three. Yeah. yeah. So when you see Tom, he's like, I mean, it it was literally just Twitter tittle tattle when someone said about Scott Parker Spurs and all this kind of stuff, this connection, obviously they're not going for him, but did it make you worry? Does it make you worry or not really? Cause you, I mean, you were very calm about it on WhatsApp. You're like, no, it's not happening. No, I don't think so. I, I don't think, I mean, firstly, I think it's, we should take it as a massive compliment to the whole side shows how well we're doing, but um, no, I don't think they're going to, they're going to go for someone like Scott Parker Tottenham. Um, they've gone for their like eighth choice or whatever with Nuno and it didn't work. I don't. I think they want to make a bit of a statement, don't they? I mean, he seems to be trying to do that. They've had Mourinho recently. Um, they're trying to go for Conte by the looks of it. I think he's trying to get like kind of a big name in there at Tottenham. So yeah, I, I don't think it'd be the right time for Scott anyway. And I don't think Tottenham. I think that's the, the main thing. I don't think Tottenham would would go down that route because I think they know they need to kind of help the fans out a little bit and get get a bit of a name in um, to deal with kind of your Harry Kane's and stuff like that. So yeah, I think we'll be fine, but. It's a good thing that he's getting. He gets linked with it, in my opinion. Um, yeah, but yeah, this. Um, I, I think I think will be fine. It does look like they really want Conte anyway. Yeah. I always say that the you got to remember the the alternative to having your players and your manager being linked to better sides is having them not linked to better sides, and that normally comes with a league position that yeah, um, that is the determinant factor in that. So you know, Eddie Howe was touted around. Um, Callum Wilson, Ryan Fraser, when they were in their pomp, they were all getting touted around, Nathan Ake, because they were brilliant. Um, so, you know, we've had other sides in our, what feels now like our dim and distant past, where no one wanted any of our players or our manager, yeah. and neither did we. That's the, you know, that's, the, that's the bottom end of it. So we should be really glad that people are desperately trying to get Scott Parker if that day comes, because it means that we'll be in the Premier League. Well, I did see that, though. I mean, it did give me that nervous feeling, Tiggs. I was just trying to think, when was the last time I kind of really had that um, feeling, you know, that almost kind of wrenching feeling in your gut about a certain someone leaving? Not that he ever was going to. And I sort of, you know, I saw the tweet. And it was just from some faceless account or whatever. And I didn't, you know, there wasn't any substance to it. But it did make me think, ugh, like, you know. We are in that position in, in the footballing food chain whereby we will get you know, people from the Premier League, possibly putting in a few bids in January. But like Neil said, maybe our league position will be something that they will be considering and thinking, well, I'll probably get promoted and be able to play football in the Premier League next year for this lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, look, I, when we had Eddie as a manager, I hate harking back to it. We keep doing it. But, you know, he he was our manager and, he, you know, I, I never felt that he was looking really... I'm talking about the second spell, not the first one. But Parker, you know, I, we got to understand exactly where we are in the food chain. I, I do believe that if we have a successful season, we get promoted to the Premier League uh, and we stay there, he, he will not stay with us. I just don't, I just don't, you know, he doesn't have the same affinity. He's not going to see us as somewhere they, he wants to spend the rest of his career. We are a stepping stone, as were Fulham to him. Let's be honest, you know. Otherwise, he wouldn't have left. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's going to happen, but it's okay. You know, I, I suppose the thing that has really got me this season is you look at the team that we've got. You know, up and down the whole thing, the whole setup. It's not one thing that got us to to where we are now in the league. It's the whole thing, mm. and the future is very, very bright. Especially now that we know that actually our youth setup actually works. We've got players that we can yeah. use, so there's probably some more training back there. 
Obviously, you know, speaking of the youth setup, obviously we would love to complete that sort of legacy that was, you know, we barely even put a shovel in the ground with a training ground. It'd be nice if the Premier League money would actually be able to pay for something tangible. But speaking of the tangible, um, tangible, speaking of the Premier League, though, Neil, um, I'm looking at Watford's results, and you, you know, they're a club that I think is fairly similar to us in some ways and I'm just looking at their results and it just reminds me of everything that I hate about the Premier League so in October they they lost 1-0 away at Leeds they then got pumped at home 5-0 to Liverpool they then go and you know pummel Everton 5-2 and then at the weekend they're losing 1-0 to Southampton at home and I just think that is such like Premier League you know that is what Bournemouth were like in the Premier League wasn't it it's like so Jekyll and Hyde and I'm not I'm not looking forward to that though no, no, uh, we talked about it last week, didn't we? There's, there's elements of it. I mean, we would have been at, we would have been two 0 down um, uh, against uh, against Reading uh, if they'd had if that was a Premier League game. So we we were you know that give those even though they were half chances, they were they were given away and uh, they would have been scored in the Premier League game. And uh, so yeah, it, it is. You know, it's not as it's not as fun as the championship uh, in any way, shape, or form. But what you do get to see is world class players on your own doorstep. It's always great to see the Ibrahimoviches and you know the players like that that came to Dean Court. which is you know it's memorable to see those. So, and the, we know that we're not going to be there for eternity. So we'll be back in the championship with a few hundred million in the bank. So, uh, so yeah, so it's, it's worth having. But no, you're right, Tom. It's nowhere near as enjoyable. Particularly now we've done all the grounds because that was the fun part last yeah. time. Going to yeah. uh, going to Anfield and you know going to Old Trafford, but we've done all that now. So it uh, uh, we've got the new Brentford Stadium, I suppose, to tick off. True, yeah, that's a good. And you know, takes like another thing I hate about the Premier League is just all these fixtures being rescheduled. Oh, hang on, that happens in the, oh. in the Championship as well. This I mean, bloody hell, four four games rescheduled. Tigs. I mean, how annoying. This is the price of success, Sam. This is, is the price of success. Uh, yeah, people people want to watch us on TV apparently, but that means we can't go and watch the games without leaving at incredibly unsociable hours. Yeah, um, it is really annoying, and it is an odd one really because um, look, I, I think we're playing we're playing well. We're a, a well oiled, efficient machine. If we've already we've already covered that, but are we uh, are we one that you're going to switch over and watch for? I don't know. I mean, I'm a Bournemouth fan, so I would, but I just I'd be really interested in all the numbers on it. I mean, how do they decide? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They'd be better off showing Derby versus someone yeah. or whatever. I know we're top of the league, but in terms of their viewing figures... I'm viewing figures, good. yeah. Yeah, and like, you know, surely that means there's like lower ad spend. You know, fans have got to wake up at stupid times of the morning. There's less money through the turnstiles because more people would have gone to Middlesbrough had it been at a resort. So who's it for the benefit yeah. for? I don't know. Like people just to watch Bournemouth play football. I mean, it's good media exposure for us and it does give us some extra coffers, I think, because it's a TV appearance, but... I don't know. It just it's so frustrating. So four games have been rescheduled, two for Sky, and there's a knock-on effect for two more fixtures as well. So make sure that you've checked your updated calendars uh, for that. Right. We need to get the views of a certain Italian stallion. Who can it be, Tom? Angle clue. You have to have to show me. <laughs> Here he is. Well, hi everybody. Should say five lipo here because uh, it's the fifth consecutive win for the Cherries and uh, it's the best league start in the entire history of the Cherries and this team makes tough games look look like look so simple because i mean uh, re reading away is not the best uh, the um, the best place to we we played in the in, in the history in the in the in the last games uh, the, the the team didn't have the uh, a great tradition, but uh, man, uh, we risk we risked only when uh, when Gary Cahill lost that ball on um, on the outside line and uh, um, George Puskas uh, missed that chance. But uh, and and then he provided the assist for uh, for Dom Solanke straight from the from the training ground, and uh, and then in the second half Jamal Lowe, the first goal. For the cherries, what a moment! What there are some moments that are just incredible in the in the season so far. And so, uh, the the first save of Mark Travers came out in the in the ninth minute, in the in the last minute, and uh, 
it's incredible it's incredible because th th there are some games that are that should that, that should, should have been that. tough and uh, the, this team this team made seems that uh, the team could win in uh, so could win so easily without risking anything especially away which uh, it's i mean it's the the seven clean sheet away just incredible unbeaten in 15 games and so bring it on bring it on preston and uh, as once at home looking forward to get six points before uh, the international break would be another break in the world. Up the cherries and get in. <laughs> that was lovely. That was lovely. I really enjoyed that. I, I, it was nice to see. I normally I'd just see Felipe's face, but he got it got the hand gestures in as well. It felt very Italian. I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, he was really into, and I liked his little get in at the end. Yeah. Oh, it's a fantastic guy. It's interesting actually. Um, I don't know if any of you heard after the game, but the Reading manager made some interesting comments about us. Okay. Uh, I know a lot of people are, are sort of feeling that we're going to get a good win against Preston in the next game, but I've got, I've got to read this to you. So he said, after the game, he said, every time we face a side at the top of the table, I, I'm not going to do an accent. Not oh, right. I thought you were. I was really getting into it. <laughs> it would just sound like Borat, and it would just it would be awful. <laughs> um, every, time a team every time we face a team at the top of the table, after us, because the output that they have had to do is so much to match us, Usually, usually they're going to slip. So his prediction is that we're going to lose against Preston North End because we're so tired after playing Reading. What, what do we think about that, lads? Nah. Well, let's, well not get, let's not get too wise before the event. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've just spoke about the Premier League for half hour. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I think I think we'll have too much for him. But I think Preston. I think Neil might have said it earlier. They're quite a physical outfit, so mm. it's going to be quite a demanding game. And um, like I'm, I'm sure we'll speak about kind of on preview shows and things. There's, there was a few wounded players, weren't there? So God, yeah. it'll, be in, yeah. it'll be interesting to see. Uh, maybe he'll be trying to get a few of them through these two fixtures before the international break. But this will be a physical one for us. Mm, yeah, it will. It will. I tell you what, someone has got a bit of a physical month ahead of them. And that's James McCaffrey. Fair play to you, fella. So yesterday, he thought he'd set himself a challenge in November. Starting today... He plans to run seven miles each day. Not only that, he plans to uh, ride on his bike 19 miles every day too. So what's the significance of those numbers? Well, of course, number seven is David Brooks's AFC Bournemouth shirt number. And number nine is his Wales international shirt number. And since the uh, news that he's been diagnosed with Hodgkin lymphoma, he wanted to do something to raise money and awareness. He says that although I am a keen runner, this is made more of a challenge due to currently being unfit and carrying some extra lockdown weight. Uh and he hasn't been in the saddle for a while. So basically what that's going to be, uh, 213 miles of running, 573 miles of riding, 786 miles in 30 days. So that was his target. He smashed it already. You know what, James? I reckon you should be going for 7777, all the sevens for David Brooks. And, I, you know, I think it's absolutely superb what you're doing, mate. And hopefully we'll get you on to talk about it. But if you want to donate, there is a Just Giving link. We've made it easier by creating a shorter link for you that will go straight to the Just Giving. And it's afcbpodcast.com slash db7 raising money and you know what david brooks saw it last night and he put in 200 quids worth of his own money as well so fair play mm. to that james mccaffrey's run and ride for db7 give james some love on twitter and make sure you're supporting him because i'm sure that is not easy to do to go to afcbpodcast.com forward slash db7 i'm pretty certain that he'll probably have a few injuries after that neil my god i, c I couldn't I, c I could never do that no no, I was sitting here feeling really, really bad as <laughs> well. I was reading it. Yeah, fair, fair play to him for doing it. But I was thinking, uh, I've, uh, I mean, I had COVID a few weeks ago and I've not really run since. And I was thinking I must go back out running, but I won't be running anywhere near as far as, or, or riding anywhere near as far as him. But no, all credit to him. Brilliant thing to do. Brilliant for David Brooks to stick money in as well. Yeah, so, so so Tom Preston Swansea coming up. Um, we've we've always done this for the next three f fixtures that we've had, and you know we talked about Reading on the previous batch of fixtures, but now six points available. 
I mean, what would you be happy with, at, you know, in terms of the worst, you know, points tally that you'd be happy with? Four? Oh, I don't know. I guess the worst would be maybe maybe fourth, stay unbeaten. But because yeah. I, 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 they're both at home, I think we've got to be looking at six points the way we're playing two home fixtures before the international break. Um, I think it's different. I think when we had, we were all quite open about the Bristol City-Stoke kind of saying four would be brilliant. Yeah. Two really difficult away games. Don't get me wrong, it's, it's, it's a different type of game when you're at home. You're expected to have more of the ball and they're going to sit back and make it harder for you. But we're at home and, and I, I back us at home to um to get six points and, and have too much for, for both the sides. They, they've had, they both had decent results, didn't they, at the weekend? Um, yeah. Preston beat Luton. I think, I can't remember. Was it Peterborough Swansea smashed? Um, so yeah, they both had good results. They're both decent outfits, but they're also two sides that I don't quite expect to be in the mix for for promotion. To be honest, so yeah, I'd like to think we'll have too much for them, and um, yeah, hopefully stretch that gap even more. I think I saw Fulham are away at Blackburn on Wednesday. That's a yeah, tough they are, one yeah. as well. So who knows? But no, if we can, I, I just take every game as, it, as game as it comes, and um, yeah, hopefully yeah. we'll have too much. Our aim should be to go to Fulham in December, not needing to win to be top. Yeah, yeah, good shout. Yeah, that, that would be that would be something I would if I was in the dressing room. I'd love that just to be able to go there, maybe four or five points clear, and think. Do you know what? Even if we do have our first loss of the season, we're still top of the table. What you don't want is them overtaking you as a result of that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. do not want that. Don't want that, gents. It's been a pleasure tonight. Apologies for my issues. I'm going to have to get another laptop. I think at some point this one with like the fan was going. It's it's quite warm because the heating's been on. I don't know why it's on because it's you know it shouldn't be on until December in my eyes. That's how frugal I am. Um, Tiggs, thanks very much, mate. Thank you. I've enjoyed discussing that with you three Garibaldis. Arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, cheers, mate. <laughs> every, every podcast leader needs a hot fan, Sam. <laughs> I love it. Tom, thanks very much. Cheers, mate. I got I got nothing. I got no pun. Just still there. <laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You know what? We were hobnobbing with each other at the weekend and the rules <laughs> crumbled. Come on, you reds, up the cherries. Great to hear from the lads there. Superb stuff. Had a few technical gremlins, which I've edited out on the YouTube version. But if you go onto our Facebook page and watch the video, oh my God, camera kept freezing. Everything was going wrong. So if you heard some guffaws during that show, people are just probably laughing at seeing my static face when it should have been moving. But never mind. We'll sort that out for the next one. But there you go. Bournemouth are just a machine at the moment. And... Are you getting 2014-15 vibes? I kind of am, but I'm just not wanting to maybe share my excitement too soon. Regardless, we're doing so well at the moment and it's a joy to watch. So with Preston and Swansea at home on the way, what can we do? Can we extend our lead at the top? My goodness, that would be good. Stay tuned next Monday because we'll have all the reaction after this Swansea match. But for now, you've been listening to Back of the Net. The AFC Bournemouth podcast. Billings won it back, and now Jamal Lowe, left side of the penalty area for the Cherries hit. Lowe goes for the corner, and Jamal Lowe scores for the first successive time here at Reading, this time in Bournemouth colours. And Bournemouth go flying clear early in the second half here, short of the hour. Their march to the top of the championship looks like it's going to continue. Jamal Lowe, minutes after coming off the bench, it's Reading nil, Bournemouth 2.